0: This is a Federal News Network podcast.
1: She's had assignments all over the world and ashore for the Coast Guard. Now Vice Commandant Admiral Linda Fagan has been tapped by the White House to succeed Commandant Carl Schultz, who retires in June. Shortly before that announcement, I caught up with Fagan at the Sea Air Space Conference, where we discussed, among other things, the critical Arctic.
0: I've been in in uniform now over 37 years. My first assignment was on the Coast Guard Cutter Polar Star, so I've had an opportunity firsthand to uh, visit the Arctic on a ship. I've also been to Antarctica. And I would say change is afoot in the Arctic, uh, and the pace of change continues to accelerate. There's considerably more water and less ice. And with that, a lot of just changing patterns of behavior, increased opportunities for people to access the Arctic, whether it's cruise ships or some of the desire for a resource extraction up there. The people who live in the North Slope, they're seeing impacts to their you know, subsistence living and some of the challenges to what it takes to live and thrive and survive there.
1: Sure. And I imagine the cruise business has fallen off in the last couple of years because of COVID. Is that kind of a relief to the Coast Guard? Because everything else you got to worry about, like Russia and climate change yeah. and ice breaking? Cruise ships, I would think, would be. Oh, do we have to do this?
0: Yeah. So it, definitely, the last two years, you know, you've not the the cruise industry was impacted by COVID pretty substantially. We were on an upward trajectory before COVID. I think it will return and you know continue to move forward. And you know, so for the Coast Guard, right, that brings with it increased risk to you know human life. So our search and rescue mission, uh, you know, is is there now and will continue to grow as you see increased access into the Arctic. And then ensuring our role in environmental protection and, you know, with the risk to oil spills and otherwise. And, you know, we are excited about the polar security cutters that halter is uh, building for us. And when we get those into the fleet, it will be uh, just really game-changing for the nation.
1: Right, you've got the polar security cutters, and that's a separate program from the icebreakers also, correct? Yeah,
0: so right now, you know, the Coast Guard operates icebreakers on behalf of the nation. We have one heavy icebreaker, the Polar Star, as I shared my first unit, and then a medium icebreaker, the Healy. Healy does quite a bit of scientific research. She basically circumnavigated the continent this past summer, a lot of science and science support. We had Canadians and uh, Danish on board, and then she sailed through the Northwest Passage around a couple of port calls on the East Coast through the Panama Canal, and then back home to Healy. So that's our current fleet. The Polar Security Cutter are uh, the new heavy icebreakers that, uh, you know, we've got a joint program office with the Navy and uh, we'll operate those ships then when they're put into commission.
1: And when it comes to monitoring conditions like how much ice or water temperatures or any other environmental conditions that affect at-sea operations, how does the Coast Guard monitor that? Do you have your own facilities? Do you share naval sensing do you use NOAA? How does that all work?
0: Yeah, so it's definitely a team effort. I mean, Healy did quite a bit this past summer to help measure some of the salinity and just different aspects of the water and water column. Uh, and then, you know, obviously uh, work with NOAA and otherwise to just continue to, to learn what we can about the environment up there. And, uh, you know, as I said, the pace of change is definitely accelerated, and so we'll continue to work collaboratively in that regard.
1: And of course, I I didn't want to let this go without asking about Russia, because they have the most coastline in the Arctic, and they probably think they own it. And so what have you seen there? What are the sensors saying that they're doing up there while they're engaged in some of the warmer areas a little bit to the south?
0: Right. And so, you know, the Russians have been investing heavily in their side of the Arctic. But it is important to note we, too, are an Arctic nation. Alaska is uh, our Arctic presence. And so, you know, ensuring, and again, this is why the polar security cutters are going to be so pivotal. They will allow us to create a more enduring on the water presence in the arctic so that we can enforce our own national sovereignty and and our own uh, interest in our eez as it pertains to the arctic the russians are obviously operating up there as well just a couple of winters ago we had an opportunity with covid the mcmurdo mission was uh, postponed and so polar star was able to sail to the arctic as opposed to uh, antarctica and uh, you know, up along uh, our maritime boundary line that we share with the Russians, and had opportunity to uh, you know interact with uh, Russian counterparts. It was all professional, but uh, good to be able to project that uh, presence in a time of year that we weren't typically uh, in the Arctic.
1: Right. So in that region, if one of our cutters passes one of theirs, it's not like enemies passing, but it's like just two nations.
0: It's two nations interacting professionally. You know, engaged in how maritime navies and coast guards professionally interact with each other there was quite a bit of communicating and querying back and forth but it was all professional and nothing uh, belligerent or uh, unexpected
1: now you mentioned earlier 37 years you know in this coast guard in, in uniform and the Coast Guard has been dealing with allegations and actual incidents of sexual harassment, sexual assault in a few cases. How does that fall to your lap as, as the vice commandant and also a female officer?
0: We have done a lot over the last, you know, seven plus years to address sexual assault, sexual harassment, uh, and are lined with our other uh, military services with regard to Anytime a survivor comes forward and reports a sexual assault with the seriousness that it is investigated and followed through, the survivor support, all of that has changed in some really positive and uh, and impactful ways. But there is still work to do, and we continue to look at opportunities for preventing sexual assaults from occurring. Ideally, there would be zero, but that is ongoing work because, uh, you know, sexual assault is a crime, and it's investigated, and when found substantiated, it's it's punished as a crime. All right,
1: and also from—we've uh, talked a lot about the Arctic. That's not the only part of your portfolio as vice commandant. How do you divide the duties?
0: <laughs> so the Coast Guard organizational structure, we have three star operational commanders, one in San Francisco, which was the position I was in before coming in as the vice, and the other one, the Atlantic Area Commander here on the East Coast in, uh, in Portsmouth. And so they really run the you know kind of day-to-day operations. As the vice commandant, uh, I'm very involved with our acquisitions program. You know, We're in the midst of the largest acquisition process that we've had as, a, as an organization since World War II, and then really focus on the internal headquarters workings to make sure that we're, you know, with the resource advocacy, policy, train, all of the pieces that it takes to then allow those operational commanders to operate is really what I spend most of my time time yeah. doing. Sounds like you're optimistic about the Guard. Oh I'm very optimistic. It's a great time to be uh, in the service you know just like the pace of change, climate change in the Arctic is changing same for us and it's nothing but uh, but goodness and opportunity for the service.
1: Coast Guard Vice Commandant Admiral Linda Fagan who was subsequently nominated to become the next Commandant. I spoke with her at the Sea Air Space Conference earlier this week at National Harbor. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetworkcom
0: drive. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you've entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away,